This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, if in fact I survive that long. We'll look at last night's action on the high school hardwood. The Pens and Caps uh, were both on the ice last night. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson are talking new contract. More tickets punched to the big dance. And we'll hear from West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins as his team gets ready for the Big 12 tournament tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, that is, against Oklahoma State. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush. Also at Rush Tony C. On Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Feel free to like, follow those pages. Anytime you fill up to it, drop me a line. Ask me a question. Give your comment and opinion on anything we talk about. It's all good. Also taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamon. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials just for your listening pleasure. So several ways to reach out and touch me. Legally, that is. All right, let's kick off today's show. As we kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with boys high school basketball where Petersburg beat Frankfurt in a section matchup 47-39 in overtime. Brady Whitaker had 13 points for Frankfurt which is now 0-2. Elsewhere, Berkeley Springs beat Moorfield 59-43. The script was flipped on the girls' side as Moorfield beat Berkeley Springs 58-40. Kaylee Hunt had 17 points for Moorfield. Elsewhere, Jefferson beat Martinsburg 53-42, and the game between Tucker County and East Hardy was postponed. Tonight, East Hardy will try again when it hosts Union. Frankfurt is hosting Hedgesville. That is a varsity-only affair beginning at 6.30. No JV game. Moorfield is hosting Hampshire, and Kaiser is hosting Washington. A JV game there starting a half hour later than usual. It's a 6.30 start with a varsity game to follow. In boys' action tonight, Tucker County is at Pendleton County, and Union is hosting East Hardy. High school volleyball uh, yesterday. Allegheny was a straight sets winner over Fort Hill, 25-14, 25-16, 25-23. Samara Funk had 11 kills, 8 digs, 7 points for the campers. Riley Palumbo had 19 assists for the Sentinels. On the ice last night in Washington, the Capitals had a three-goal lead on the Devils in the third period. They blew it. 
So we go to overtime. When it pops back to center, and Kuznetsov will take it right off the bench. Oh, good effort by Carlson and Ovechkin being out there for a while. Cast break it forward, run off the bench, he's in, he scores! The Capitals get the win in overtime! Jacob Rana, his second of the game! Zach Fish, the call on the Capitals radio network. You heard him. Verona's second goal of the game, 130 into OT, gave the Caps a 5-4 win over Jersey. Daniel Sprong, uh, filling in for the suspended Tom Wilson, had a goal as Washington won for the sixth time in seven games. Elsewhere in Pittsburgh, Kasperi Kapanen, red hot, scored his fourth goal in the last five games as the Penguins beat the Rangers 4-2, Tristan Jari made 33 saves to improve to 8-3 in his last 11 starts. Pens are now 5-1 against the Rangers this season, and they wrapped up their five-game homestand at 4-1. And, and in Major League Baseball, spring training action from Tuesday, Steven Strasburg is back. He struck out four batters in one and two-thirds innings in a 4-4 tie with the Astros. It was Strasburg's first action since having carpal tunnel surgery seven months ago. Elsewhere, seven pitchers combined to allow just one hit as the Pirates beat the Braves 10-1 and the Orioles lost to the Twins 1-0 in seven innings. And that is your jam-packed rock around the region uh, brought to you by the Caporale Group. So, look here. Looking back at last night's game in Petersburg. Frankfurt losing in overtime, as I mentioned, uh, 47-39. As most of you know, uh, I am an assistant coach on the Frankfurt team. And I repeat it for anybody who's just tuning in, any new listeners who may not know. And I am hesitant to talk too much about our games because I'm not the head coach, you know? And I don't want to speak out of turn. But I don't think I'm telling any secrets when I say we can't score. I mean, all you have to do is look at the final scores to figure it out, right? I mean, you don't have to you don't have to be a head coach, an assistant coach, a volunteer coach. You don't even have to know much about basketball to know that right now we, we just can't put the ball in the hole. Scored 28 points last Friday against Hedgesville. And then last night, 39. With an extra four minutes of overtime. And we had an 18-7 lead at the end of the first quarter. I mean, do the math. We scored 21 points the rest of the way. 18 in the first quarter, 21 in the final three quarters and overtime. Only scored three points in the the second quarter after 18 in the first. Game was tied uh, 21 at the half. Can't remember because I think I was still in shock. I can't remember what the score was at the end of regulation. Although, of course, obviously it was tied. And look, if you would have told me before the season started that we would give up 44 points in the first game and 47 in the second, I'd be like, great, because we'd be 2-0, right? I mean, that would be automatic. First two games of the season, you hold both opponents under 50 points. I'm like, all right, we're 2-0. 
So defense, obviously, uh, not the issue. Uh, just can't score. And the frustrating thing is, but it's also a good thing, is we're getting a lot of good looks at the basket. Right? I mean, we're working the offense well, uh, just not finishing. You know, we're, as we say, we're leading the horse to the water. Daggone thing just won't drink, right? So many shots last night were good, open looks. And I'm telling you, they were in and out. They rattled around the rim and bounced out. Like so many shots looked like they were going in and then whoop, right out again. Just, it's been, it's just been one of those couple, couple of nights, couple of games. So that's frustrating, but uh, it's also good because I, I think you know if if we continue to you know work the offense, get those looks, those shots are going to start falling, right? I think we were something like fifteen for forty-five from the floor last night. I don't even know what that is, and I know it's a bad percentage. And we're not going to shoot that poorly all season. We're just not. We can't. Or else it's going to be a long season, and the season's only two months long. You know what I mean? So we're getting good looks. I think they're going to start falling, and we're going to be okay. It's just it's difficult when you're getting those looks, and the ball's just not going in the hole. And, and you're playing good defense, too. And very little time to turn it around because Hampshire is making a visit to Short Gap tomorrow. You look at the schedule, a lot of schedules. We talked about teams being in the same boat, right? All these West Virginia teams playing a season, very trying to pack in a bunch of games in a very short amount of time, very little turnaround time. So you have very little time to make adjustments because there's, there's going to be a lot of stretches where we and everybody else are playing games every other day. We played on Friday, we played last night, we're playing tomorrow, we're playing Saturday. Boom, 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 boom. So you kind of got to learn from the game before quickly, make some adjustments, and then get ready for the next game, which is, you know, again, tomorrow. And that's, that is why I am absolutely just beat this morning. I mean, I am, for several reasons. I am just gassed. I am wiped out. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to you know, act like everything is hunky-dory on this end of the microphone. I am exhausted. You know, and every now and then I'll get into a discussion about coaching, and I've been coaching about 12, 12 years now, 12, is that right? I don't know, I lost track. And it's it's almost like, you know, hey, you, you want to be a coach? You know, you want to get into it? Because trust me, once you're into it, it's it's hard to get out of it. Once it gets into your system, it's pretty much there for life. So there are precautionary tales along the way, right? So last night, usually after a game, uh, we stop to eat, right? The bus stops somewhere to grab a bite to eat. It's you know it's usually late nine nine thirty something like that. Last night we didn't. And I think we all just wanted to get back. You know what I mean? Like the mood wasn't great. We just lost in overtime. It was just like, let's just let's just get home. So when we got back, <laughs> I was pretty hungry. And I don't think I got home probably around 10 o'clock, right? Right around 10. 
I'm starving. Still had the shower, right? So there I am. And this is what I mean about, you know, you want to be a coach, any kind of coach. About 10.30 last night, sitting at the dining room table, every light in the house is off except for the dining room. Everybody else was in bed. Family was already in bed. So it was just basically me and the cat. I'm at the dining room table. It's really, I paint a really pathetic picture here. Eating cold pizza and garlic bread. Well, the garlic bread was heated up because that's disgusting. And I'm breaking down film, right? I got my laptop to my my left, food to my right. I'm breaking down film, eating cold pizza. By this time, it was like 11 o'clock at night, knowing I got to be up in four hours to come in here. (laughs) That's why I sound like I do today. It's not because I'm sick. It's not because I just, my body's wiped out. Living the glamorous life, baby. And let me tell you something. Eating pizza and garlic that late at night, mm, not a good thing for the old intestinal tract this morning. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't exactly lay well <laughs> eating that late at night. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Back when I was younger in my college days, there were several nights when I would eat pizza at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning after, well, you know. But as you get older, uh, not so much. And then when I leave here this morning, you know, I'm going to get done here. I'm going to go across the hall. I'm going to get with my main man, Joe Shuda, because we're going to have a special Rush Friday feature this Friday. It's an Ask Tony edition where Joe just throws a bunch of questions at me. We did it once before. It was kind of fun, so we're going to do it again. So I'll talk to Joe. I'll get this show up on the podcast page, go home, grab lunch, take a nap, get up, break down more film, and then go to practice. And you know what? You know what the crazy thing about all of it is? I wouldn't have it any other way. That's the crazy thing about it. That's the goofy thing about all of it. As 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 utterly crappy as I feel right now, I wouldn't have it any other way because I love it. I do. You have to. You have to. Coaching, whether it be Little league, middle school, high school, college, I mean, you, you name it. Coaching is just something that gets into your system. And it's extremely hard to shake it. And I posted something on the Book of Faces uh, not too long ago. Let's see if I can find it here. It's a, it, it's a quote that I had, I had seen before and just kind of came across my feed, so I, I, I reposted it. And this is, this is 100% true. Again, anybody who wants to get into coaching, listen to this. It says, coaching, this is from a, a guy, Coach Brett Freeman. And Coach Freeman says, coaching is a calling. Your players will break your heart. Your colleagues don't consider you a real teacher. Ain't that the truth? Your critics roast you on social media. And you work countless hours for low pay. What keeps you going is changing lives. That's a calling. That's coaching right there, man. Especially at the younger level. Especially at the youth level. Middle school level. High school level. We talk all the time about it, you know, 
sports being more than just X's and O's and wins and losses. You know, you you really have an opportunity when you're working with these young people day in and day out to make a difference. You really do. And I know that sounds cliche, and some people might think it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. You have an opportunity to make an impact. You know, again, an old quote, I don't know where it's from, so you have to excuse me for not remembering. I said a coach has an opportunity to impact more lives in one season than some people have in their entire lifetime. Because you're dealing with, depending on the sport, it could be anywhere from 18 kids to 50, 60 on a football field. And that's why you do it, right? That That's why... That's why you should do it anyway. <laughs> that's why that's why you should be in, in the business. Yeah, winning's fun. Yeah, we're frustrated because, you know, we're 0-2 and we're not scoring. But, you know, when you're at this level, it's got it's gotta be much more than that. If you're not if you're not trying to change lives and help people grow, then I don't know what you're doing it for. Because it sure as hell ain't to pay, I can tell you that. Take it from just, uh, in quotes, just an auxiliary coach, and ain't about the pay. Anyway, any other coaching tips, give me a call, 301-759-2628. If you want want any other great stories about being up in the middle of the night, eating cold pizza, breaking down film, be happy to share. When we come back, We'll move on to college hoops. We had uh, some more tickets punched to the NCAA tournament last night. Five, to be exact. And we'll look at all those when we return after news and weather and this break. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Did you catch Amanda in, in, in the news update there? <laughs> Tell you what, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing like going to play a basketball game at Petersburg last night and then hearing in the news update the next morning that there were two people who tested positive for COVID at uh, Petersburg. Nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that information to wake you up in the morning. I don't know, did she say uh, two students or two staff? I, I didn't quite catch. I just heard two. I heard two positive Petersburg High School. And we were just there last night. I don't even care anymore. I don't. I mean, I do, but I don't. You kind of get the feeling that there are some people who are just who are acting like this pandemic is over. You get that feeling? The way folks are starting to talk and starting to act. Is it just me? Like I'm starting to sense that I mean, we are we're slowly starting to move in the right direction. I mean, we really are with, with, with the vaccines and we just, you know, Governor Hogan there, he just relaxed on some restrictions and what's going down with sports and, and kids are getting back in school. Like we are starting to make those those baby steps in the right direction. But it's I have this feeling that some people think that it's just over. No, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, college hoops. 
Well, we had four more tickets punched to the NCAA tournament last night. Five, to be exact, running the total to now 11 teams in this year's Big Dance. One team that, look, we already knew they were getting in and will likely be the top overall seed in the tournament, and that's Gonzaga. And the Zags just kind of made it academic last night. They got by BYU 88-78 to win another West Coast Conference title. It wasn't easy, at least not early on. BYU led by as many as 14 in the first half, but then Gonzaga pretty much dominated the second half. They win the West Coast title for the eighth time in the last nine years. They've won the conference title 19 out of a possible 34 times. So that, to me, that's amazing. West Coast Conference has been around, or at least with the Gonzaga, and I don't know how long it's been around, really. 34 conference championships. They've won more than half of them. That's complete and total dominance. And we, you know, we look, we talked about Gonzaga before. They used to be, you know, the the mid-major Cinderella darlings of the NCAA tournament. Now they've kind of turned into a, a National power, getting all kinds of recruits, five star recruits, and I, I just wondered before, and I still wonder now why they're still on the West Coast. Like when you had all those teams switching conferences and moving all over the place, why didn't they join the Pac-12? It would have been a great fit. Not, not to take away anything that they've done. Not you know this year or years past, it's not easy to win. I mean they're undefeated right now. They haven't lost a game this year, and their early season schedule was was tough. They had they played West Virginia, they played Kansas. They were going to play Baylor, where that game was 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 canceled because of COVID. But the West Coast Conference, I mean, come on, I mean BYU, they're they're a tournament team. I think Joe Lunardi has them as a seven or an eight seed in his projections. You know, St. Mary's every now and then, it's just a weak conference. And Gonzaga isn't a, they're not a weak team. They're, they are a dominating team. But like I said, they're 26 and 0. So there's nothing, that's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, they will be the fifth team to enter the NCAA tournament undefeated since Indiana's undefeated season in 1976. And uh, Zags head coach Mark Few said that uh, we can finally talk about it now. Finally, I mean, and Jalen can can attest to this, acknowledge like, look, I mean, it, it, this is a big deal, and this is really, it, it puts us in some in, in, incredible company, quite frankly, that Kentucky team and, and going back over the years, I think there's only, I don't, I don't know, you guys know the stats on it, six teams or something in the last, 30, 40 years. So it's a heck of an accomplishment. It's a, it's really a heck of an accomplishment in lieu of, you know, these atmospheres that have been so stale and sterile and, and lend itself to defensive efforts like we had in the first half, quite frankly. Uh, so I, I give my, this group of guys just a ton of credit. Now, obviously none of those other teams, the Kentucky team, I do believe, you know, you know, he was one of them, right? Obviously, none of them won the title because Indiana was the last one. Indiana was the last team to go all the way through and 
win a national championship undefeated back in 76. Gonzaga trying to be, you know, the first since then. Elsewhere last night in the Summit League final, Oral Roberts had a 25-point lead at the half. North Dakota State came all the way back. But in the end, the Golden Eagles get it done over North Dakota State, 75-72. You absolutely cannot say enough about this Golden Eagle basketball team, nor can you say enough about the effort in the second half from North Dakota State. But Paul Mills, in his fourth year at the helm, has guided the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles to the NCAA tournament, their first championship in the Summit League since 2008. The call on the ORU Sports Network. ORU? The four seed beats the three seed. And as you heard him just mention, they go dancing for the first time uh, in 13 seasons. In the Horizon League final. And after 12 years of trying to climb the mountain, the Vikings have reached the summit. They're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2009. Game over. Cleveland State is the Horizon League champions. The final score, CSU 80, Oakland 69. The call on WHK. And you may have heard me talk about it before. My very first quote-unquote job in radio was an unpaid internship at WHK way back in the day. In the (laughs) mid-90s. That is way back in the day. Cleveland State punched its first ticket in 12 years. Crazy thing about the Vikings this season. All right, they were the top seed in the Horizon League. They were 16 and 4 in the conference this year. That came after four straight 20 loss seasons. You talk about an incredible turnaround. They lost at least 20 games four straight years. This year, they're going to the NCAA tournament. That's amazing. In the Northeast Conference final last night, Mount St. Mary's beat Bryant 73-68 to make its first appearance in the Big Dance since 2017. It'll be their sixth trip overall. And in the Colonial Athletic Conference final. They are so happy. They're almost dogpiling as well they should. The Drexel Dragons are the 2021 CAA champions. Congratulations, Coach Spiker. You have done it in year five. The call on the Drexel Radio Network, the Dragons, first trip to the Big Dan since 1996. And they're the lowest seed, they were the sixth seed, to win the Colonial title since 1993. After the game, a Drexel head coach, Zach Spiker. It's significant for so many people. Obviously, our coaching staff and our players, our athletic trainers, and everyone in our support system and our program, uh, players and their families, spouses, um, but he really take it all the way back to when Malik Rose last led Drexel to the NCAA tournament and all those players and all those alumni that continue to keep in touch and stop around in the summertime to say hello to our players and encourage them, hey, uh, you know, we spent four years in West Philly too. We got it done. I know you can do it. And you know, I think when you think about that, it's, it can be, um, very gratifying that so many people are going to take so much pride in this championship. Now, Drexel, 
like many teams this season during the pandemic, had a lot of downtime. There were there were you know pockets of downtime because games were postponed or canceled or or moved around. And uh, Coach Spiker was on with Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night and said he had to um, get creative in practice this year. We did a couple games, different things to end the game. We called the Hunger Games. And we played a one-on-one, ended up in a one-on-one game, and one of our players be one of our starters with a crazy shot. And we filmed it, and our guys erupted, and we're chasing this guy all <laughs> over the gym. I mean, it, it was a video that was, it's incredible. I, I, I've sent it to so many people and watched it so many times. And I said, man, <laughs> we're leaving the gym in mid-February, and our guys are, like, just so excited. And then a week later, we don't have a game, and we end practice with a dodgeball tournament. <laughs> and uh, wow. the, the, the dodgeball tournament ended and then they're like hey we want to play the coaches and next thing you know our starting point guard who was just named conference tournament MVP is chasing me through the hallway not even on the same floor as the, as the not even the same floor as our arena and then I'm hiding from him and he's hiding from me and I walk down the hallway and he's on top of the lockers like it's Jason Bourne in the Bourne Supremacy. <laughs> and then Penny hops down, and I go around, and I can't find him. I can't find him. Oh, man. It was incredible. And he's like, I love these kind of games. And I'm like, wow. And it was just so – you want to talk about memories? Oh, you know, it's just guys, a bunch of guys running around on a Saturday morning at our, at our practice – you know, at the DAC at our practice. And oh. – uh, <laughs> So wow. I think those are people talk about journey and process. Um, I think those are things that all our guys will laugh at and remember, and we'll probably have another round of those uh, before we go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, by the way, uh, they definitely have down pat the over the top radio host laugh when they're talking to somebody, right? Do they not? That's something that we actually work on because somebody might say something funny during an interview, and they can't see you. You may think it's funny, and you may smile, but you may not have an audible laugh. But if it's it's over the phone, they can't see you, so they don't know that you found it humorous. So you actually have to do that over the, that laugh just to let them know what what that you think what they just said was funny. It's true. It's just it's what it's what you're kind of taught to do. Anyway. In his latest projections, Joe Lunardi has the Drexel Dragons as a 15 seed in Region 1, uh, taking on Ohio State in the first round. As far as the other teams headed to Indy after last uh, last night's action, uh, Joe also has Oral Roberts as a number 15 seed in Region 3, taking on Houston in the first round. Cleveland State also a 15 seed in Region 2, first round opponent Iowa. And Mount St. Mary's, a 16 seed, playing NCANT. Uh, they will play in one of those. Okay, this is a projection. In one of the uh, first four games with a date with Gonzaga <laughs> in the next round. So there you go. 11 teams in the tournament as of today. I don't think any tickets getting punched tonight. I don't think there are any conference finals tonight. I'll have to double-check, but I'm fairly certain there will be none. As now some of these bigger tournaments, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, 
start to get underway. All right, one final break, then back to wrap up our number one. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Story came out, this is a couple days ago, from Forbes. Tomorrow, uh, March 11th, there is a, uh, we're we're very, very close to the one-year anniversary of when all of sports is absolutely shut down. Because tomorrow there's a 24-hour span between March 11th and March 12th when the NBA and the NHL just shut it down. Then everything else kind of, the dominoes fell after that. So tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the, can you wait one year? According to Forbes, pro sports, professional, the four major American professional sports leagues, as well as NCAA's March Madness, were all hit extremely hard in 2020. The four major sports leagues projected projected losses here. $14.1 billion. That's with a B. To date, since everything shut down, the pro sports leagues have lost $14.1 billion. They lost billions of dollars in revenue. They lost a percentage of what they're worth. Players lost money. That's amazing. I mean, you knew you knew it was going to be bad. You knew that all of these leagues and all these teams were going to take a hit. Because of ticket sales. You know, Forbes says one of the biggest losses that pro sports suffered was the loss of ticket sales. As games were canceled, you know, no fans in the stadiums or the arenas or whatever. And it's not just the big boys either. Like in golf, the U.S. Open lost 56% of its viewers over 2019. NBA Finals were down 49% over last year. Tennis's Open was down 45% viewership from 2019. The worst of all was the Stanley Cup Finals. They lost 60% of their viewership from the 2019 Cup Finals. Major League Baseball, again, this is all according to Forbes, and then some subsequent reports from other outlets. Major League Baseball last year lost $5.2 billion. That's a whole lot of cash. NBA missed its revenue projection by $1.5 billion. NHL lost around $630 million. NFL will lose upwards to $3 billion. It just goes to show you how much, I mean, we already knew it, right? How much money is tied up in sports, in professional sports. How much these teams and leagues actually make. $14.1 billion right down the drain because of this pandemic. 
And we talk about viewership down, ticket sales obviously just non-existent. Merch was probably down. The purchase of you know hats and jerseys and stuff. Because look, I'm I'm no I'm not the only one who has ever gotten tickets to a game and then realized that they needed a new shirt or a new hat to go to the game. I know I'm not the only one that's done it. <laughs> you you make a stop along the way. You, you know your spots. You know your stores. If you're headed to the arena or the stadium, you're you know, you're gonna make a little side stop, pick up a new shirt, a new jersey, whatever. That was all gone. Just goes to show you the the old, and, and look, that's just the initial projections. The trickle down is going to be felt for years to come. Right, we're already feeling it this year in the NFL. The, the salary cap is so low because they lost so much money, and you're going to see certain players. And particularly now, we're talking about the NFL and the franchise tag deadline was yesterday. Certain players not get tagged. Certain players getting cut loose because the teams aren't going to be able to afford them because they they lost all that money. That's an incredible amount. Like, like I said, you knew it was going to be a lot. Forbes even says that some of the top earners lost millions over what they earned in 2019. Canelo Alvarez, boxing, his earnings were down $57 million. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine earning fifty, you know, whatever, whatever million in twenty nineteen? Then you don't, you lose fifty seven of that in twenty twenty. Clayton Kershaw lost three and a half million bucks from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. Chris Paul lost six point eight mil. Joel Embiid lost four point nine. Phil Mickelson lost eleven and a half million dollars of his earnings from twenty nineteen. To 2020. Now, I'm not expecting anybody to throw a pity party for these guys. I'm not expecting anybody, you know, to weep over these big sports leagues. But that that's still pretty significant. You, you got to admit, those are those are pretty remarkable numbers. Are they going to fold? No. Are they going to go under? No. Are they going to, you know, three, four, five years down the road? Is, is it going to be a thing of the past? Are they all going to bounce back? Yes. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to hold a funeral for any of these sports leagues and sports franchises or whatever. But it is pretty remarkable. And, and, and that's in a year's time. Again, the anniversary is tomorrow. That's in one year's time. The major sports leagues lost $14.1 billion. So don't be surprised if all of a sudden, <laughs> whenever we're allowed to go back to games, you know, full-time, if, if the ticket prices aren't just a little bit steeper than what they were before, right? If merchandise isn't just a little bit more expensive than it was before. Uh, concessions were already expensive. So if you had a problem paying ten bucks for a beer at a baseball game, just wait until you have to pay fourteen, because you know that's what's going to happen. You know they're going to find every single little possible way to recoup as as much money as possible. Every little penny here, little nickel there, little dime there, they're going to find a way. 
So get ready for your uh, $14 beers, $10 bottle of water, $8 pretzel. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I'll still pay it. Because I will just be happy to, to just to be back in the stadium. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, hour number one in the books when we come back. Some college hoops. We'll hear from uh, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. He held his uh, weekly press conference a little earlier than usual. He held it yesterday as his team gets prepared to play in the Big 12 tournament tomorrow. And we'll hear from Coach Huggins. And believe it or not, I'll tell you how the coach was, uh, well, he was disrespected once again by the Basketball Hall of Fame. Like, I don't know what this guy has to do to get the recognition he deserves. But we'll talk about Coach Huggins. We'll hear from Coach Huggins next hour. So stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Just a reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Also, our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Like them, follow them, leave me a message, comment, question, opinion, whatever. Just to say hi. Or I swear I'm just going to stop doing this. I'm just going to stop giving them out. What's the point, right? Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. Also, our podcast page on the free Podbean app in case you missed the first hour. You can go back and listen to it. We talked uh, high school hoops last hour. We talked five more teams punching their ticket to the big dance. We talked the major pro sports leagues losing $14.1 billion in the last year. So it'll all be there later on today uh, on our podcast page on the free Podbean app. Coming up here in just a bit, we're going to hear from uh, West Virginia head coach uh, Bob Huggins. But first, uh, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we start with boys high school basketball, where Petersburg beat Frankfurt in a section matchup last night. 47-39 in overtime. Uh, Frankfurt scored 18 points in the first quarter, just 21 the rest of the way. Brady Whitaker had 13 points for the Falcons, who are now 0-2. Elsewhere, Berkeley Springs beat Moorfield 59-43. The script was flipped on the girls' side as Moorfield beat Berkeley Springs 58-40. Kaylee Hunt had 17 points for the victorious Yellow Jackets. Elsewhere, Jefferson beat uh, Martinsburg 53-42, and the game between Tucker County and East Hardy was postponed. Tonight, East Hardy will try again when it hosts Union. Frankfurt is hosting Hedgesville. That is a varsity-only contest, so it'll begin an hour earlier at uh, 6.30. Moorefield is hosting Hampshire, and Kaiser is hosting Washington. JV game there will start a half hour later. So it'll be 6.30 with the varsity game to follow. Boys action tonight. Tucker County is at Pendleton County. And Union is hosting East Hardy. In high school volleyball, Allegheny was a straight sets winner over Fort Hill. 25-14, 16, and 23. 
Samara Funk had 11 kills, 8 digs, 7 points for the Campers. Riley Palumbo had 19 assists for the Sentinels. On the ice last night in Washington, the Capitals had a three-goal lead on the Devils in the third period. They blew it. So we go to overtime. When it pops back to center and Kuznetsov will take it right off the bench. Oh, good effort by Carlson and Ovechkin being out there for a while. Cast break it forward, run off the bench, he's in, he scores! The Capitals get the win in overtime! Jacob Vrana, his second of the game! Zach Fish, the call on the Capitals radio network. Vrana, his second tally of the contest. 130 into OT, gave the Caps a 5-4 win over Jersey. Daniel Sprong, uh, filling in for the suspended Tom Wilson, had a goal as Washington won for the sixth time in seven games. Elsewhere in Pittsburgh, Kasperi Kapanen, he stayed red hot. He scored his fourth goal in the last five games as the Penguins beat the Rangers 4-2. Tristan Jari made 33 saves to improve to 8-3 in his last 11 starts. Pens are now five and one against the Rangers this season, and they wrapped up their four. Or I'm sorry, their five game homestand at four and one. And in Major League Baseball spring training action from Tuesday, Steven Strasburg struck out four batters in just an inning and two thirds in a four four tie with Houston. It was Strasburg's first action since having carpal tunnel surgery seven months ago. Elsewhere, seven pitchers combined to allow just one hit as the Pirates beat the Braves 10-1, and the Oreos lost to the Twins 1-0 in seven innings. And that is your jam-packed Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. All right, college hoops here. Actually, basketball first off. And the announcement was made yesterday. There are 14 finalists for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And none of the 14 were West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins, which, again, is simply mind-blowing. The next game the Mountaineers win will be career win number 900 for Bob Huggins. 900. That is 13th all-time in the history of NCAA basketball. His next win will tie him with Roy Williams and leave him two behind the great Bobby Knight. And other than winning a national title, which is obviously a big deal, that's the only thing missing from Huggins' resume. Like, I don't know what else he has to do to get the nod for the Hall of Fame. Villanova head coach Jay Wright is a finalist, but see, he's won two national championships. So that is definitely a determining factor. But you got Michael Cooper, remember the old L.A. Laker going in? Chris Bosh? You know, it's not just college, it's, it's basketball. It's, it is the Basketball Hall of Fame. And this is how, this is how much, and I'm, I'm certain it wasn't intentional, but this is how, dis, how much disrespect Huggins gets in this discussion. In the ESPN story about the 14 finalists, they list, according to them, the most notable nominees that did not make the cut this year. They mentioned Chauncey Billups, Richard Hamilton, Becky Hammond, 
Swin Cash. But they didn't mention Bob Huggins. They didn't even mention Huggins as a, a notable, you know, didn't even make the cut. That's how much disrespect this guy gets. And look here, I'm a Huggins fan. You know, I'm not a Mountaineer fan. I've admitted that before. I'm a pit guy. That's where I grew up. But I like Bob Huggins. I like him as a coach. I like him as a guy. So it's not like I'm sitting here, you know, sounding the trumpet for WVU here. I'm not really playing a favorite. I think Huggins should be in. And I think he will eventually. But unless he wins a national title, I don't think he will until after he retires. Like, he's not going to get it while he's still coaching. I don't think. Which, which is a shame because he should be in. Nine, 900 wins? Come on. Come on. And, and not exactly at, you know, basketball powerhouses either. All respect to West Virginia and Cincinnati and Kansas State. But they're not exactly blue bloods when it comes to college hoops. If that's not enough to get you into the Hall of Fame, I don't know what it is. But Huggins, uh, he has uh, some more pressing issues to worry about right now. Does he not? Because they're getting ready to take on Oklahoma State tomorrow in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament. That game, we've talked all season about West Virginia just seems to get they seem to get screwed every time it comes to, to tip times. Tomorrow's game is an eleven thirty tip in the morning. It's an eleven thirty a.m. tip. Oklahoma State and West Virginia. And Huggins met with the media yesterday earlier than usual because they still got to travel for his pregame Zoom conference. And I'm going to play that some of that for you right now. And I know I said that I wasn't, you know, I was going to try and cut back on playing big chunks of press conferences because, you know, I did that a lot when I was trying to fill, when we were still a three-hour show. I would play, you know, Mike Tomlin press conference or a John Harbaugh press conference, not the whole thing, but, you know, long stretches of it because I had to fill three hours. And I don't really have to do too much of that anymore since now we're a two-hour show. But all truth be told, and I talked about this in the first hour of the show. I'm just wiped out today. I'm just I'm just being honest. I'm I'm just tired. Up late last night after our game, breaking down film, probably about three and a half hours sleep. I need a break. <laughs> so I'm changing it up for a little a little bit. So here is a part of Bob Huggins Zoom presser from yesterday talking about getting ready to take on Oklahoma State uh tomorrow. So, Bob, just, just look at postseason overall. How, how different is what this team's going to experience postseason-wise than the regular season? Uh, because it's one and done. You lose, you're done. You know, you can't come out and be flat. You can't. you you got to bring your, your, your best game every time out. Otherwise, you're, you're back home watching it on TV. Across college basketball this year, uh, the coaches have sort of caught up to you and gone casual uh, because of the pandemic. Do you expect that to continue? And why did you sort of blaze the trail for that? And why did it take a pandemic for people to, to follow? Well, it's a long story. Um, I was at Cincinnati and, you know, it was, it was, every game was sold out and it was hot as heck in, in Shoemaker Center. And I go in at halftime, I'm soaking wet. Soaking wet, my my 
suit coat is just soaking wet in my pants, everything soaking wet. My athletic director at the time said, I don't know why you guys wear suits. You should just wear a, you know, a, a light pullover or something like that. And so I went in, I, I couldn't wear the suit I had on anyway. I didn't bring another one. So I put this pullover on and I, I, I thought, well, this is really what coaches do. I mean, I'm not a banker, I'm not a financial analyst. Why can't I wear what I want to wear? So I have worn it ever since. And it just didn't, it, I mean, it just didn't catch on with the pandemic. I mean, there were a lot of guys. Uh, Greg Campy started wearing one shortly after. Izzo wore one shortly after. So, I mean, it hasn't been, it, 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 it wasn't like uh, that the pandemic caused it. I think it was just coaches saying, you know, we're coaches. We're not, we're not businessmen. We're coaches. Coach, you've been a part of plenty of deep runs in conference tournaments, going to this Big 12 championship multiple times. Obviously, the 2010 team comes to mind as far as all-time great conference tournament performances. What does it take from your experience to sustain a high level of play in March and position yourself to make a run in this thing? Well, I, I, I think uh, it helps, you know, if you win the games you're supposed to win and you get a higher seed, you're not going to play as hard a game the first, the first day out. You're going to play a, a team towards the bottom of the league that hasn't had a lot of success in the league, so I think that helps considerably. Um, that's why you see the one and two seeds advance through tournaments more than you see other people advance through it is because they, they don't have as hard a road to go. And that's what I tried to explain to our guys before our last game. And obviously it fell on deaf ears, but um, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe playing against people that um, are good for you to play against people that, that uh, you defend pretty well or people that you can score on. Coach, a question from Bob Herzl. How do you get a team to take that one big step up come tournament time? I don't know. I've done this for, I don't, you know, however many years, and I, I honestly don't know. It's, you know, it's different with all different teams. Uh, we tried a lot of things to try to get. I mean, we could see that this team uh, was was starting to, starting to drag a little bit and, and didn't have a lot of bounce. And Contrary to what happened a year ago, a year ago, we were all excited because we had all kind of bounce and, and practices were terrific. And then, and then it got canceled, you know, and I, I would, I thought, I think, I think most people around the program thought that they would understand that, you know, this, this can go away real quick. And obviously they didn't. A couple here. Um, thinking back, is it unusual to start this early? Uh, on uh, in, in, in a, the day, uh, m basically a morning game. Concerns there with that? I don't know. You know what, John? These guys grow up playing AAU, and, you know, AAU sometimes starts at 8 in the morning, uh, contrary to when a lot of coaches would like for it to start. But that's – I mean, that's when I saw JC, 8 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> cup of coffee, my hat on, you know, and he's out there full court pressing. He's an 8 a.m. kind of guy, though. He was that day. Yeah, yeah. Another thing here, um, how much different were they without 
um, Cunningham and Likely, and how much different do you think they'll be with them back? I don't know if Likely will be back. He had okay. a cast on his hand from what I saw. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, Gabe Cunningham's a great player. Uh, MVP in the league. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. When you have a player like that, you have somebody to go to. But I think, you know, I, the other guys, the other guys played really well. I mean, Mike did a great job of getting those guys ready to play, contrary to what we did. Hey, Coach, I was uh, hoping you might be able to clear something up here for me. With uh, COVID rules in the postseason, um, if, if one person on the team, like if you guys get to Kansas City and one guy tests positive, would you still be able to play as a team or would that eliminate – the team. What's the, the rule? My understanding, Justin, I think it it kind of depends on contact tracing. Uh, you know, they're all going to wear those whatever they're called, those little things that tells you how close you are to people for how long a period of time. And I think it would depend on um, it would depend on what well it would depend on contact tracing and would we have enough guys to play? I would think. So it wouldn't necessarily be if you lose a guy, then the team gets eliminated then. Well, I think that was initially was, was what it was. Okay. All right. But I think, I think with, um, with the technology that we have now, I think, you know, it, 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 it may be uh, after they do a very thorough job of contact tracing, but it, I mean, it depends. It depends on, depends on contact tracing and what, what comes out of that? Bob, playing the same team in back-to-back games is, is unusual, at least for you guys at West Virginia. I haven't found one in 30 years, or there was one 30 years ago in similar circumstance. So what, what you know, good points, bad points of, of playing the same team, same scout, though obviously Cunningham makes it a little bit different. Well, you know about as much about it as I do, because um, I can't remember coaching back-to-back games against anybody. I may have, but I don't remember. So, I, I don't know. You know, it, you know, guys, we if we go out the way we went out uh, the other day, we're not going to have a whole lot of success. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I'm standing out there watching our guys shoot the ball in warm-ups, and we didn't make any. We, I mean, we talk about our defense is bad. Our defense has been bad all year. We did not make any shots. And when, when you don't guard, you better make shots. And if you look at look at this team has to be as high a scoring team as we've had here in quite a while, I would think. And you know, so, But we have to. We have to score the ball to win. And look at look at look at the shooting numbers. I mean, guys that are they're not good, they're they're really good shooters. I mean, we, we had a guy who has just, I mean, shot the leather off of it, and he didn't hit the rim twice. And it wasn't close. I mean, he missed by two feet twice. I don't know how you explain that. But I, but I, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, your, your, your mental preparation and how much you're, you're, you're really into it, the mental side of it. But, I mean, I don't I, – I, like to have answers. I'd like to be able to tell you something very intelligent, but I'd be making it up if I tried. So there you go, Bob Huggins, part of his 
Zoom press conference with the media yesterday. Back-to-back games. Lost Oklahoma State on Saturday. Got to play them again tomorrow. And again, tomorrow's game, an 11.30 a.m. tip. Take an early lunch. But I don't see a national TV listing for the game. Checking the schedule. Like, if you check the schedule on ESPN's website, it'll have, you know, you know the, the opponents or the teams, game time, and then it'll have national TV, ESPN, the Deuce, ESPN Plus, whatever. I don't see, so I don't even know if it's televised tomorrow. No clue. But it is an 11.30 a.m. tip. Cowboys and uh, and the Mountaineers. Big 12 tournament gets underway tonight with two games. In Kansas City, the T-Mobile Center, Kansas State against TCU, and then the nightcap, Iowa State uh, at Oklahoma. So there you go. Now you get the ACC started last night, which we'll talk about later in the hour. And, of course, we'll preview more in depth uh, tomorrow's game, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, on tomorrow's show. All right, time for a break. News and weather coming up when we come back. NFL quarterback talk again. Why not? 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. We move on to the NFL. And yesterday, uh, we talked about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys agreeing to that monster four-year deal worth 160 mil, including a record $66 million signing bonus. And we talked about how most of the attention now is going to be turned to Seattle and the Russell Wilson drama. A few weeks ago, the Cowboys left some people kind of scratching their heads because they produced this preseason hype video for their season ticket holders, and they left Dak Prescott out of the video. And some people thought maybe that was, you know, a sign of things to come. You just left your star quarterback out of the <laughs> the season ticket holder hype video. The Seahawks wrote a letter to their season ticket holders, no video, wrote a letter, in an effort to, again, hype up the fan base for the upcoming season. In the letter, they talked about last year's 12-win season, making the playoffs. They mentioned receivers DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They mentioned new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. The letter even included new run game coordinator Andy Dickerson. (laughs) The one name not seen in that six-paragraph letter, you guessed it, Russell Wilson. (laughs) Six paragraphs, single space. Giant one-page letter to the season ticket holders about the upcoming season, and not once do they mention arguably the greatest player in the history of the franchise. And so yesterday, uh, the guys at PTI discussed uh, whether or not this is a big deal. Eh, maybe. Tony, big deal, little deal, no deal at all. 
So I am sobered by the fact that when this thing came out that Dak Prescott wasn't in the hype video, I said, he's going to go crazy. He's going to leave the team. Obviously, he did not. I'm not that stupid. I was wrong about that. But, and there's a qualitative difference here. Dak Prescott always said publicly he wanted to play for Dallas. He never said he didn't want to play for Dallas. Russell Wilson had his agent go to Seattle and give them a list of four teams, which is now down to three because Dallas is out, four teams that he would take a trade to. They can't sweeten the pot for him. He's already making $35 million a year. So in this particular case, if you deliberately, and it's always deliberate, yes. if you deliberately leave him out of this letter, the only reason to do it is to anger him. It's truly stupid. And, you know, Mike, I think he's sort of a, a diva in this regard. He's been going around the country saying his offensive line isn't any good. And he's different than Dak Prescott. He won exactly a Super won Bowl. He should have won two. He's, he's won two. got a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm not going to double down, but I am going to say that this, you're doing this to be antagonistic. I think so. I mean, it's a deal. I'm not sure it's a big deal. I'm not going to reduce it to a little deal because just what you said. R- r- I mean, Russell has not said, I- okay, never mind, I'm going to stay here. No, this thing is still floating out there where you got three teams now that he has said, I'm fine going there. It's a deal. I don't know how much of one yet because I don't know how much the remaining teams are willing to give up a king's ransom to get him. So we still got to find right. that out. But when they leave him out, it is intentional. It is antagonistic. Sure. They didn't just sure. go, oh, wait, we left out our quarterback who led the team to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years. No, that's no, no, not no, no. what happened. All right, so I do believe it was intentional. Obviously, you don't do a hype letter and, you know, oops, <laughs> forgot Russell Wilson. But I, I don't think it was to make him angry or antagonize him. I don't think the purpose was to upset him. I mean, why would you want to do that? He, he He's already hinted that, you know, he may want traded out of there. Why would you poke the bear? Why would you do anything to, to push him out the door, you know, even just a little bit? I think it was intentional because they did not want to make a promise to their season ticket holders that they couldn't keep. They did not want to include Russell Wilson in that hype letter and then trade Russell Wilson. (laughs) It's that simple. They were covering all of their bases, among other things. That's why the Cowboys left Dak Prescott out of that hype video. It wasn't to... I, don't, I honestly don't think it was to disrespect him or upset him or whatever. I honest, there was a conscious thought to say, you know what? This dude might not be here next year. So we're not going to put him in this video. This dude might not, Russell Wilson might not, might not be in Seattle. We may have to trade him. So we're, we're just going to leave out the letter. 
Not that not that the letter means anything. Not that you know fans can go back and say, "Oh, look there, you you said in the letter, you know, you you mentioned Russell Wilson in the letter, so you didn't deliver on your promise, so we want a refund." Not that they were going to do that, but I just think the situation is still so so far up in the air. There's still a, a, such a high level of uncertainty about Russell Wilson staying in Seattle that they just left him out of that letter because they don't know. You know, they know Metcalf's going to be there. You know, he's, he'll be there. They know Lockett's going to be there. They know the coordinators are going to be there, right? They should have a decent season. They, you know, Seahawks fans should be excited. I mean, they were 12-4 and four last year, and they won a highly competitive uh, NFC West. So there are several other things about the Seahawks that the fan base, the season ticket holders, should be hyped about. So you hype them up. But the one thing Seattle didn't want to do is hype up their quarterback that may not be there come September. That's why they left them out. I don't think it was the, you know, Get him upset, get him riled up, or anything like that. It's just, hey, he may not be here, so we're leaving him out. That's as far as that's how I look at it, anyway. Now, another quarterback after the Dak Prescott news, who suddenly became, you know, kind of pushed its way to the front of of, of the sports page, is Lamar Jackson. Because after the news broke about Dak and Dallas reaching that deal. Russell Wilson was the first stop. The second stop is in Baltimore. As the Ravens and Jackson are reportedly talking about a new contract. So let's get that QB carousel cranking with Ravens reporter Jamison Hensley. I'm Jamison Hensley with the Ravens. I asked Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta today about the chances of Baltimore signing Lamar Jackson to a long-term deal this year. His response, it might take a little time, but we're willing to try. DaCosta said he's had recent one-on-one conversations with Jackson about the framework of a new deal. DaCosta described the talks as healthy and said negotiations will start at some point. Jackson is only scheduled to make $1.7 million in 2021. That ranks 23rd among all NFL quarterbacks. I'm Browns reporter Jake Trotter. Every step of the way, even during the bumpy moments, the Browns have doubled down on their belief in Baker Mayfield. Mayfield last offseason rewarded that belief, quarterbacking the Browns to their first playoff victory in 26 seasons. Of course, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz might serve as cautionary tales for handing promising young QBs big money extensions. But for a team that is long for a franchise quarterback since the Bernie Kosar heydays of the 1980s, the signs point toward Cleveland attempting to lock down Mayfield long-term this offseason. I'm Bills reporter Marcel Louis-Jacques, and Buffalo isn't in a rush to get a deal done with quarterback Josh Allen, who's eligible for an extension this offseason. At least, not before addressing some of the other holes on its roster, all while continuing to clear salary cap space. There's also not a lot of pressure for the Bills to do so right now, as Allen's fifth-year option is still in play and will likely be exercised either way. 
both Allen and the Bills want to get a long-term deal done, with Allen going as far as to say he hopes he can play in Buffalo for as long as he can. But after his MVP runner-up season and Dak Prescott's latest contract, the price to do so just went up. All right, so I can't believe I forgot about Bernie Kosar yesterday. You know, we were talking about the Chicago Bears yesterday and their terrible history of quarterbacks, how they really never had a great QB. And you can pretty much run down every team in the league, and there's at least a couple good ones. And I mentioned Brian Sipe way back in the day for the Browns. I can't believe I forgot about uh, Bernie Kosar. And it's amazing to think, look, Lamar Jackson is not going to play this year making $1.7 million. I, I just don't see that happening. And you heard Jameson mention uh, GM Eric DaCosta. He did meet with the media yesterday, and he made it seem like, you know, Lamar wants to stay in Baltimore. I really think he loves the organization. I think he's very appreciative of the organization and, and our stance and different things. And we're confident and committed to trying to get a long-term deal done, and hopefully we can get that done at some point, you know, in the near future. It may take a little time, but we're willing to try. And DaCosta said he knows, and please pardon the terrible pun here, uh, he knows that any new deal with Jackson is going to DaCosta Ravens a lot of money. Ugh. If you go to the Bentley dealership or the Range Rover dealership, you know what the cars are going to cost. You're not going to get much of a discount. They all cost about the same, and you go in there and you, you're going with the idea that you're either going to buy the car or you're not going to buy the car. But in the end, they're all very big contracts for outstanding players. They're quarterback deals. They're marquee players, and you know you're going to pay a lot, but you're going to get a lot in return. And that's what it boils down to. He knows, you know, that they have a Bentley in the garage. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. And he, he is definitely worth the 1.7, or more, I'm sorry, more, way more than the 1.7 he's going to make this year. Now the question is how much more? Because he's not, he's not worth the Dak Prescott contract. He's not. He deserves more money, and this where this where maybe the stalemate comes in between the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson and his agent. If they look at that Dak Prescott contract and say, "All right, we deserve that," I'm not so sure that they, that he does. I'm not so sure Baltimore thinks he does. I mean, look, I don't understand. He was the MVP two years ago. I get it. And his record as a starter in the regular season is pretty amazing. What is he off to the fifth best start in NFL history for a quarterback, something like that? But I'm not giving him what the Cowboys gave Dak Prescott. I'm just not. Because he still has to get better as a passer. He still has to get better at dropping back and throwing the football. We know what he can do with his legs. We know he can run. We get it. We've seen it. We, you know, we've beaten that dead horse over and over and over again. And, you know, a lot of people say, and I've, I've said it myself, that he needs some better offensive weapons around him. That's true. But he still needs to get better as a passer at this level. And do you really, if you're the Ravens, want to invest a Dak Prescott-like contract hoping – that Lamar Jackson turns into a better passer. Because you heard, you heard Jameson Hensley, you know, the cautionary tales, Jared Goff, who's the other one he mentioned? Oh, Carson Wentz. Got some big money. 
and they're no longer with those teams. So I do believe the two sides want to get a deal done. I do believe the Ravens want Lamar as their long-term quarterback. It's just going to be a matter of the financials. And if Lamar Jackson wants, you know, top five money or Dak Prescott money or Patrick Mahomes money, I don't think he's going to get it. I wouldn't give it to him. I'd give him a lot. He deserves a lot, but not that much. All right, one final break, and we'll come back to wrap things up. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Before we skedaddle, let's take a look at the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about this guy right here? Blocked by Ryan. Here comes Carmack Ryan over the midcourse drive. Back to Warts for three. Got it! The Irish win! The Irish win! 80-77. The Irish live to play again. And I get to say, got it again tomorrow night. The rather law, uh, very loud call. Very loud. You don't need to scream. I get you're excited, but you don't need to. That's too much. It's too much. The very loud call on uh, the Notre Dame Sports Network. Trey Wirtz hit that three-pointer at the buzzer to give Notre Dame an 80-77 win over Wake Forest in the first round of the ACC tournament. The Fighting Irish uh, finished the game on a 17-2 run to win and advance. So Trey Wirtz, the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Seriously, you don't have to scream like that. You don't. There's a guy who calls games for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can't remember his name, top of my head. Anytime Tampa Bay scores, it's just, it's so over the top. I mean, you could be excited. You could have excitement in your voice. You just don't have to scream like that. I mean, what? Relax a little bit, a little bit. Tone it down. So Notre Dame moves on. Actually, there were three games in the ACC last night in in their opening round of the tournament. Uh, Pitt season is over. Uh, they were the 12th seed. They lost to the 13th seed, Miami, 79-73. So Miami moves on to take on Clemson today at uh, 2.30. Duke, their season likely over, well, unless they play in the NIT, unless they make a big run in the ACC tournament. They won last night. They beat Boston College uh, 86-61. Duke will take on Louisville this evening at 6.30. And then, of course, Notre Dame, as we just mentioned, taking on beating Wake Forest. The Irish now have North Carolina in the late game tonight at 9 o'clock. Virginia getting the double bye in the ACC. Actually, there is one, two, three, uh, four teams. Virginia, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Virginia Tech getting the double byes in the ACC tournament. In the Big Ten tournament, that begins tonight as well. Well, I shouldn't say as well. ACC started last night. You know what I mean. 
Uh, two games on tap in the Big Ten tonight. The uh, 12-13 game, Minnesota and Northwestern. Winner of that game takes on Ohio State tomorrow. Then in the 11-14 game, Penn State takes on Nebraska. Winner of that game uh, gets Wisconsin. And, of course, tomorrow, Maryland takes on Michigan State. We'll preview that game. Now, see, this is this is a conflict here. If you're a Hoops fan in the area, because we talked earlier about West Virginia tipping against Oklahoma State tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. The Maryland game also an 11.30 tip tomorrow. So both games on at the same time. That game can be found on Big Ten Network. I still haven't found a network for West Virginia. I don't know if the Mountaineer game is nationally televised. So good luck finding it around here tomorrow. The other Big Ten game tomorrow will have uh, Rutgers and Indiana. Oh, reserve your seat. Buy your ticket. Grab your popcorn for that scintillating, exciting, titillating Rutgers-Indiana game tomorrow. (laughs) All due respect, of course. I double-checked. I'm still pretty certain there are no conference title games tonight. So there will be no tickets punched this evening. There may be some tomorrow. As again, a lot of these uh, big power, you know, conferences, whatever, uh, get their tournaments underway. I saw where uh, Iowa is a little bit uh, under the gun. Do you see this? They announced that they were going to retire a Luca Garza's number, his number 55. And that upset the, the family of Roy Marble. And if you're old enough as, as I am, you remember a Roy Marble. Arguably the greatest player in Iowa history. He played back in the 80s. Well, whenever Iowa announced that they were retiring Garza's number, Marble's family, Marble passed away a couple years ago. They were kind of upset because they're like, hey, how come Roy's number isn't retired? Garza actually broke Marble's scoring record last week. Marble had the record for 32 years. Garza broke it. Garza is two-time Big Ten Player of the Year. After the last regular season game, uh, Iowa AD Gary Barta announced that, hey, we're, we're putting Garza's number 55 in the Raptors. I didn't say Raptors, the Rafters. And the Marble family's like, well, what about Roy's number 23? As a matter of fact, Roy's son played for Iowa too. And Roy's son said he's never watching another Iowa game for the rest of his life. Like, they're, they're that upset about it. So now Iowa... Publicly apologized. They meant no disrespect. It wasn't intentional. Fran McCaffrey, who coached the younger Marble, reached out to the family. So now they're in discussion. So now we have this big to-do about retired numbers. I don't know. Roy Marble played 30-plus years ago. Gary Barta and the, the current Iowa administration had nothing to do with that. They are in the present. Luke Garza is playing now. The Marble family wants to get upset about that, okay, but they kind of crapped on Garza's moment as well. So I, I got a problem with that. So if Iowa wants to make it right, I guess they retire both numbers or, or get a ring of honor or something. I don't know. It's just, I once again, we just find a ways to get upset about stuff, right? Just find a ways to get upset about stuff. 
All right, we're done. I'm going to go home and pass out now and uh, probably wake up tomorrow morning. I'm probably going to get like 20 hours sleep. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, see